In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've come to the fourth Sunday in Lent, and these past uh, few weeks we've been looking at uh, ways in which we're called to risk uh, for the glory of, of being disciples of Jesus as we enter into the passion narrative of Jesus. And uh, we're called to, the first week, to risk to fail, uh, being willing to go places, um, knowing that we might fail, um, but, but knowing that God is with us and God has called us into that. Um, and then we're called to follow, uh, literally take up our cross and follow and, and follow whatever way that Jesus is going. So are we called to go? And last week, we looked at transformation, that risk of, of being transformed, allowing God's spirit to come into our spirit and, and transforming us and, and making us new creations, living stones of his temple. And this week, we're, we're looking at risk of obedience. Um, specifically that obedience of the command where we're to worship God and God alone. Uh, don't craft any idols. Um, seek after God first and foremost in, in everything that we do. And it's in that obedience um, that when we, when we seek God and, and we worship God fully, that um, we're invited to risk um, putting, uh, casting off those things that, that are idolatrous in our lives and, and making God um, the primary source of worship and the primary source of things that we obey. And we're going to be looking at, at numbers as well as John's gospel. Um, in fact, the passage from numbers is here because of John's gospel. The passage from John's gospel is here because of numbers. They sort of go hand in hand. Um, but it's an important passage, um, an important connection that Jesus is making um, in the same way that Jesus made the connection last week about um, the temple as he overthrew the uh, money changers' tables and drove out the animals and, and made that proclamation um, that don't make my father's house a house of trade, that basically is um, a prophetic judgment that, that he's he's going to be the temple. He's going to be the place where God resides. You'll find rest, not the temple, but you'll find rest in Jesus. Um, in this passage, Jesus also is saying, you'll find healing again in me. You'll find healing in in, in me who is lifted up. Um, and that lifted up refers not just to the cross, it refers to everything, right? Um, when, when you talk about lifted up in John's gospel and being glorified, it's it's the whole, it's the whole thing. It's, it's, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, all of those things are, are come together in one. So this really is passion, resurrect, this passion narrative, so to speak, of, of what it is to enter into the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and he's doing that today um, by foreshadowing on being lifted up and comparing himself to um, that bronze serpent in this passage in Numbers. It's important that we go back in Numbers a little bit. We need to go back to um, chapter to verse one um, because one through nine in, in this in this chapter really sort of mirror Exodus fourteen and fifteen, the deliverance of of Israel through the Exodus. Finally the defeat of Pharaoh's army as they crossed the Red Sea, um, the Passover, the escape, um, 
the song of Miriam um, rejoicing as as they've been delivered to um, this land of, of promise, and then followed by the grumbling of Israel. Um, and, and in this uh, passage, everything's here too. Um, we have beginning in the first four verses, this Israel receiving their first victory against the Canaanite um, king. And, and Israel is, is victorious, sort of preparing for the reality that they are, are going to come into the land of promise. Soon enough, they're in the wilderness wandering presently, but they'll be coming to the land of promise. And, and God is preparing that, gave them the victory, and they begin to sing songs of praise. And then they begin to crumble and they begin to complain against Moses. Um, and they say, and there's no food and there's no water. And we don't like the food there is anyway, um, which is sort of a funny statement, right? This is, this is sort of like when we're um, kids uh, where, you, where you say, there's, mom, there's no food in the house. There's nothing to eat in this house. And cupboards are full of everything, just not maybe cookies or chips or whatever it is that you want to eat. Um, so there's no food, there's no water except for the manna that God provides. And so they're sort of not just complaining about God, um, they're, they're complaining about God's provision for them. They're complaining about Moses. Um, and God does, you know, all through the Psalms, people are complaining to God. God can sort of take complaining, but God doesn't really like it when um, you complain about the people that he has anointed to lead them. And so, anyway, poisonous snakes come into the, come into the camp and start biting people. And uh, this, isn't, this isn't the first um, plague that sort of happened. We've had earthquakes. We've had plagues um, earlier on in, in Numbers. And it's important to remember in Numbers, um, anyway, that there's there's there, there's two censuses that happen in Numbers. The first census happens at the beginning of the book, where all of Israel's counted after they've been um, set free from Egypt and and released and, and redeemed, and um, from slavery and bondage. And then there's a second one before they enter into the land of promise, because. Um, earlier on, you might remember, when the spies were sent into the promised land to scout out, they came back and and rejected God, basically. And God said, um, nobody's going to go in. No one um, who's, who's an adult now is going to go into the land of promise, except for Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that said, um, we should go. Uh, and so throughout this 40-year wandering, there's there's a lot of death, right? There's a lot of calling of, of, the, of the people of Israel and making them a true Exodus people, a people ready to receive the promised land, the land of promise. No one who was alive at the beginning of the 40 years as an adult is going to make it to the end of the 40 years. And so they are dying in a variety of ways, this next one being snakes. Um, However, as, as people cry out to Moses and Moses petitions to God, God says, craft a serpent and put it on a pole. And if they look at the serpent of bronze, um, if the snake bites them, they'll be healed. 
And this is a, a fascinating passage, a fascinating statement. Um, because it says a couple things, right? It says, one, that God is, is still going to be present. God is still keeping his covenant promise, the promise that he made to Moses on the mountain, the promise he made to Abraham earlier, the promise he made, you know, the promises that he makes and keeps. Um, and so Moses fashions the serpent. And when people, if they get bit and they look at it, they live. Which is another amazing thing. God doesn't drive out snakes. Um, God just provides a way of healing. God doesn't even stop the snakes from biting you, right? Just if you're bit, you're, you will be healed. And so it's sort of an amazing reality as we look at it sort of through the eyes of this pandemic, right? A little bit like God... God's here with us now, right? God didn't cause the pandemic. I'm not sure God even caused snakes. He let the snakes come. I mean, Israel may have, um, you, you know, seen that reality. Um, but God's here. He doesn't necessarily stop some people from getting sick. Um, but, he, but he's present with you as you're sick offering healing. Um, and it's important, again, that obviously these people, these people still, even the ones that are healed, aren't going to die. In the same way that even Lazarus, who's raised from the dead, is going to die again sometime. Um, but this is all a glimpse of what's coming in Jesus this glimpse of understanding that, that in Jesus we have healing. Um, in Jesus we have God's presence with us. In Jesus we have the living bread who's come down from heaven. Um, and so it's in, in this, in the same way that God is present with the people, even those who have been bitten and they're healed, we are going to have healing by the one who has come into the world. Which is what Jesus says today, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to the end that all that believe in him should have everlasting life. God didn't bring forth Jesus to condemn the world, but to save it. And, and this is a powerful reality that even in this even in this Old Testament passage, um, God loves Israel, right? And, and moreover, God is is bringing Israel up to be a light to the world. The problem is, just like Jesus says in this passage, pe- people keep running to the darkness. They're rejecting the light. They're rejecting God and fleeing to the light. They're complaining against Moses. They're complaining against manna from heaven. They're complaining about freedom from slavery. They've made idols of things in their lives and do not seek and do not seek the one true God 
or his representative Moses. So Jesus is saying the same thing to us, inviting the same for us today. The Son of Man must be lifted up. He says to Nicodemus, the Son of Man must be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent. He must be lifted up. He must be crucified. He must, um, for the sins for the sins of these people, for the sins of you, for the sins of me, for the sins of the world, God has sent forth Jesus to, because of, of his great love for us, that we might be healed, that we might be uh, redeemed, that we might be blessed, that we might be transformed, as we talked about last week. And, and this is an important aspect. And just as a, a quick side note, to emphasize the, the part about obedience, not just obedience to walking with God and, and seeking after God and following Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to all that believe in him. So should we just believe in Jesus, um, then we'll have everlasting life, right? We make a confession of faith. We believe um, but we're invited to more, right? This is, this is way more than that. It's way bigger than that. We're invited in an obedient life. We're invited to walk, to follow, to fail, to be transformed. All those things that we're called to risk before, now we're risking um, making Jesus uh, our, our sole primary part of worship. Which is an important aspect because, um, as I said before, as a little side note, the um, bronze serpent found its found its way into the worship of Israel later on. Um, long after the temple is, was built and Ark of the Covenant there, it was, it was sometime taken out and put on mountains and people actually worshiped the serpent, uh, made offerings to the serpent. And uh, one of the kings, Hezekiah, one of the good kings, went and broke it um, and, and destroyed it. So then, um, you know, wasn't wasn't worshipped any 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 longer, right? Um, but it but it goes to show you how even something that is an aspect of healing, an aspect that God has used for the faithfulness of of Israel, and when people were obedient and looked at it, can can turn into an object of idolatry. And so this is this is the, the connection also that I that I wanted to make for us, because obedience to God means seeking to listen and to follow. And just like Moses, when we talked about a few weeks ago, Moses who struck the rock and the water gushed out, and the next time God said, "Speak to the rock," but Moses said, "No, I know how this works. You strike the rock, and water gushes out." Um, and God says, you don't get to go to the promised land either, right? I mean, so even Moses, all, nobody gets to go to the promised land. Um, and things that God utilizes that, and that, are, that are holy and that are transforming can become idolatrous, right? When we're not constantly listening, obeying, following. And that's the that's the risk, because the bronze serpent was a holy, faithful item until it wasn't, right? Until it became became worshipped as as an idol instead of as a reflection of God's healing power and presence.
And it's challenging to continuously listen to be obedient. We're going to be coming back to in-person worship very soon, maybe next week, um, certainly, certainly shortly. And there's part of there's part of me in this that's recognized that that there's many things that we do in church that could be idolatrous as far as the Eucharist, as far as just being in person, as far as um, music and chanting and this and that. I mean, the, the list could go, the list could go on. For me, I, you know, one of the things that I've missed, I've realized more than anything else is just that opportunity to pray with people, lay hands on them and, and to pray God's blessing upon them. I, and I don't, and I don't think that's idolatrous per se, but it can if you're just seeking that moment, that time, that thing, um, and and you say, no, no, God, no, I've done this before, right? This is how this is how you bless people. You bless people this way. Um, and so it's been good for me to learn that you can bless people through. The internet, um, virtually, through Zoom, through telephone calls, um, through chalking doors, and and other other aspects. That there are other ways that that you can that you can bring God's blessing to people, and and that's helpful, right? And so this is this is the risk for us. It's the risk for us as we return to worship, um, because we can grumble, because there's going to be things that aren't exactly the way they were before. Right? We can't stay that long right now to start with. We have a cap on how many people can come and where we can sit, and and everything else. So there's there's a variety of of inconveniences. And it's easy to grumble. It's easy to be annoyed. It's easy to complain. Not just as you, the parishioners, but as the clergy, right? Um, So our risk for not just as we come back, but obviously as in our lives, what it is to enter into the passion and to follow Jesus, is how do we be obedient? How do we listen to God? How do we keep even the things that are holy and meaningful and healing and blessings still separate compared to the one God, who gives us life, who's given us Jesus, who's redeemed us because of his covenant love for us, who's invited us to walk into the light and to be light and to live as light. So um, let's pray that God may give us the strength and courage to be obedient and to risk this new life. Gracious Lord, we give you thanks and praise for 
your son, Jesus, for being the source of healing in our lives, for being the source of life in our lives. May we risk to be obedient to you in worship and prayer and praise and in all we say and all we do. Help us to focus upon your light and your love and your grace and your wonder. And everything we say and everything we do, you may be glorified. Lord, it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.